Welcome to Reconciling Grace, a program where church leaders discuss various topics from the Bible. During the discussions, there may or may not always be agreement from every panel member on every point, but there is full agreement on the fact that the way to God the Father is through the reconciling grace of Jesus Christ. Welcome to another episode of Reconciling Grace. This is Pete Vecchi, one of the associate pastors for West Carrollton Church of the Nazarene. On our panel today, we have Vicki Cundiff. Vicki is one of the associate pastors for Countryside Church of the Nazarene in Lebanon, Ohio. Steve Wilson is with us. Steve is a graduate of United Theological Seminary in Dayton. He is an author and a computer game programmer. And Mick Wells is with us as well today. He is the president of Wells of Salvation Ministries and is one of the co-hosts of the Cross Connection radio program. And Mick is the one who's going to be leading our discussion today, and it's called A Walk Through the 23rd Psalm. Mick, take it away. Well, thanks, Pete. I uh, appreciate the opportunity to uh, just kind of gently walk through the Psalm 23. This is a psalm I visit every day because in addition to prayers and Bible reading, before I go to sleep at night, I recite this, and I meditate on the words and what it means. And I've, I've never grown tired of this particular uh, passage of Scripture. One of the most familiar ways of uh, reading or absorbing this Scripture is from uh, the tried-and-true King James Version of the, the Bible. I'm asking Vicki Cundiff here if she would share the entire 23rd Psalm from that version. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You know, there, this is a psalm of great comfort, and uh, I was going to ask you to share where you may have used this scripture in your ministry. Well, this the first time that I knew of the 23rd Psalm, I was, I think, in the fifth grade, maybe the sixth. You know, back then, teachers could teach you the Lord's Prayer and the 23rd Psalm. Sure. And I had a teacher when I was in the fourth grade that taught me uh, the Lord's Prayer, or I may never have known it because, you know, my parents weren't Christians, as I testified earlier. And then, um, so it was the fifth or sixth grade that, that I learned this psalm. But I'm like you. There's, I quote it a lot. You know, it's comforting uh, to me. Uh, I've never actually preached from it. I don't know if you have, uh, Pete, but I never actually have. But um, I, I, it just ministers to my heart and my life. Oh, absolutely. I can relate to that. Anyone else? Well, honestly, you know, I've been trying to think about that ever since you asked the question. And I cannot think of a specific time when somebody has specifically asked me to preach or or to read this particular um, psalm. I know that I have. I just can't, I can't place it in my memory. But I'll tell you what does come to my mind is back in the public school days, it wasn't so much about a teacher teaching it to me, but it seems that there were 
quite a few different musical versions of it. And when I was in high school, I was very much into vocal music and very many people would sing the Lord's, uh, not the Lord's Prayer, I was going to say, would sing the 23rd Psalm mm. um, to different uh, music, to different words. And in fact, when I got into college, one of the first ones I heard was by Keith Green. And so I've heard it set to music. I don't know that I've actually ever remembering. I'm, I'm sure I have done it, but I just can't remember a specific time when I've been asked to use this particular psalm in ministry. Most times that I've used it was when I was a chaplain uh, in a hospital. Mm. Sometimes uh, people would request for me to read it to them, or uh, they would request for, for us to pray through it together. Yeah, great. Uh, I recall being asked to um, expound upon the 23rd Psalm at uh, funerals where families would request a, at least a few times. And it, isn't it interesting that when you consider the life of David, how he was often on the run, uh, people were after him to try to exterminate him, and he would cry out to God for help, and he'd be hiding in caves and things like this. And then all of a sudden you see this 23rd Psalm, which doesn't have any fear or hostility or anger, uh, and, and yet uh, the Lord used David to write this. And when it starts out, the Lord is my shepherd, that's coming uh, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, through a man of God, a man after God's own heart, as the scripture says, but he himself was a shepherd himself, the, the shepherd boy who slew Goliath with a, a sling and a stone. Well, David obviously knew what a shepherd is and what a shepherd does. Those were his roots. Uh, what does it mean to you? I, I, let me read one verse here that uh, from Matthew. I mean, obviously, Psalm 23 is from the Old Testament. Matthew 9.36, speaking of Jesus, says, When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless. Listen to this now. Like, a, like sheep without a shepherd. There's a lot of references in the scripture to the Lord being the, the great shepherd, mm -hmm. the good shepherd, and people's tendency to act like sheep. They need help. Mm -hmm. <laughs> They're kind of harassed and at a loss. So um, I was thinking of that. Um, what does it mean to you to call the Lord your shepherd? I think of gentle and patient guidance. I don't think of a shepherd as being a real uh, excitable or um, you know rushing the sheep, but it's, it's gentle, he's patient. I read a little bit about sheep, and they certainly do need a shepherd. Uh, I saw on YouTube the other day where somebody was sawing through a culvert pipe because there was an animal stuck in it. <laughs> And on YouTube, after a couple of minutes of sawing and pulling, they pull this little sheep out and been <laughs> stuck in the culvert. It's kind of a hapless creature. And, and uh, I read somewhere else where sheep will not drink from flowing water, that they have to be led to still water. They simply won't drink if it's a, if it's a, a babbling brook. One so, of the, yeah, one of the things that I've always heard is that sheep are dumb. I think that... Uh, they're probably the second dumbest animal um, after turkeys, from what I've heard. And they're very helpless, <clears throat> which is probably why the scripture 
compares us to <laughs> that sure. in our right. need for Christ, you know. Right. The other thing about sheep is that they will follow what's in front of them. So mm-hmm. if there's a lead sheep, the rest will follow that. And and I don't know how far that will go, but if one, I've heard it said that if one walks off a cliff, the next one will follow it. Yeah, they're, they're not too good mm-hmm. on uh, individual thinking that... Uh, the sheep just like to do what the rest of the sheep are doing. I suppose there's a leader in there somewhere to start following the shepherd, but it's clear that they do need a shepherd. Well, the second part of the verse uh, says, after the Lord is my shepherd, says, I shall not want. Now, I thought on that for a while. What does it mean to not want? And then I looked at there were other versions of the scripture that, that translated it this way. It says, I shall lack nothing. And that's the NIV. And the New Living Translation says, I have all that I need. And consider that uh, oftentimes Scripture will dovetail with other Scriptures. Psalm 36, verse 9 and 10 says this, Fear the Lord, you his holy people. For those who fear him lack nothing. The lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord, listen to this, they lack no good thing. And as I was thinking about what the Lord provides for us, he provides for us, he meets the needs that can't be met with a trip to Walmart or winning the lotto and stuff like that. I was going to ask Steve if he would read Psalm chapter 103, verses 2 through 5, to talk about some of these benefits. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Hey, thanks, Steve. I think that gives a a clear delineation of some just some of the things that the Lord does for us that we can't earn or buy um, and if we don't know the Lord we don't have we don't benefit from these things but because we know him and follow him and trust him and believe on him uh, he he provides can you think of anything else uh, offhand are the ways that the Lord uh, meets our needs in ways that the world cannot? What does he do for us that that the world can't satisfy? I think the greatest thing now is the relationship with him. Now, I know you can be in a relationship with other people, and we have relationships with other people, but to me that greatest benefit is to have a relationship personally with him, which is what we're made for, to glorify God and have a relationship with him. Absolutely. A lot of times when I talk to people and it seems like they're feeling alone or abandoned or hopeless, I tell them this. This is almost a quote from what I say. I recognize their condition and I say, you don't have to go through life alone. Mm -hmm. You don't have to. If you know the Lord, he will never leave you and never forsake you. See, the non-believer can't say that. They're out there just trying to claw their way through the world every day, every minute, every moment, trying to find meaning. And the Lord provides us his presence and his love and his assurance on how to, how to cope with the world. And he also provides me. I know 
is with peace because there are times when, according to all the circumstances in my life, or at least maybe not all of them, but many of the circumstances in my life, I shouldn't be having peace. I should be either worried or fretting or whatever, but there is just this abiding peace within me because I know that the Lord is my shepherd. Absolutely. Uh, Nick, I, I sure. wonder, how would somebody who is in want, who's going hungry, how would they interpret this verse? Well, if we're talking about uh, Christians, I think we have to stand on the promise. There may not readily be an answer. I've read about pastors who received no salary, but were trusting God for their, their basic needs. I, I read one um, example where the pastor and his family had nothing to eat, but they set the table. They all sat down. They gave thanks. And they looked at empty plates, and then the doorbell rang, and they went out on their porch and found a meal prepared for them. They didn't have an answer to that, but they, they stood upon the promise of God that, uh, that uh, they shall not want and that he would provide. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying that that happens in every circumstance, but I do stand upon the promise of God that he will meet our needs. And let's look a little bit more into that uh, when we come back from this quick break for our sponsor. And we're back with Reconciling Grace, walking through the 23rd Psalm, and we've just been discussing the question about how can we say that somebody lacks nothing or has everything they need when maybe they don't. And I think, Steve, you said you wanted to make a little comment about that. I think we just have to remember the eternal hope that we have in God, that even if our life is not great here, even if we don't have everything we need here, uh, we will. God will supply our needs for all eternity. That's a great point, uh, Steve. Well, uh, as we Look to the second half of the program today. We're into the second verse. Yep. <laughs> now, I was noticing I, that. I think this will go quickly, though. Um, Vicki had read for us that the shepherd, he maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. As I meditated on that, I thought, that's an interesting way to word the scripture. He maketh me lie down. And all I could think of was back when I was a kid, I had a dog, and when it got real frisky, I'd say, lay down. And it would. If I said it loud enough, it would roll over. But um, do you think there's a coercive or a compelling aspect to our relationship with, with the Lord to where he makes us lie down in green pastures? What does that mean to you? I can think of the idea we use of God closing and opening doors. Uh, maybe sometimes he leads us to a situation and makes us stay there for a while. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure that the Lord, uh, well, he, he doesn't do anything in malevolence, from malevolence. You know, he knows our needs. He knows that if we're getting spun up and running too fast, in our in our lives with busyness, um, I'm not saying he would inflict anybody with 
uh, an illness or something, but if an illness occurs, that may be used of God to say, hey, let's slow down and, and regroup. Uh, let's, uh, let's, let's take inventory of, of where we are. Let's reflect on it and, and, and pray about it. I think he also, we can feel in our spirit, he's, he's urging us, he's offering us rest for our soul, even in the midst of uh, our troubles, which, you know, David, he had so many things happen to him in his life. And, you know, to say that he makes me lie down in green pastures, maybe part of that is not that he's making us, but that I just know I can go to him and rest in this and trust him and I don't have to worry. Isn't it interesting that uh, the Lord throughout the scripture emphasizes uh, the non-threatening aspect of the relationship with God. He, he's not a mean God. He's not a sadistic God. In, in fact, uh, Matthew eleven twenty nine, we're told, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Mm -hmm. So when David writes about um, lying down in green pastures, leading me beside the still waters, uh, it's consistent with the portrayal of God is not one to get one all riled up and anxious and nervous, quite to the contrary. He says, the walk with me will give you rest and, and what you need. And have you ever noticed, and I think I've actually read this, that it's been proven scientifically as though he needed proof, even though it says it in God's word, that have you ever heard um, the sound of slowly trickling water. Now, I'm not talking about when you have a leak in your house or something, but I'm talking about if, um, you know, you're sitting by a little river or mm -hmm. even a little fountain, even if it's in your front yard or, or in a park or something, it tends to give a soothing um, aspect to the people who hear that. Yeah. What do they call that? Uh, white noise or something where you get so used to it, there is a calming effect. That's a good uh, comparison to the way God deals with us, I think. Well, the, the psalm goes on. Let me, let me mention, too, that uh, I read where it was noted Jesus set the example of voluntary choice to lie down. And it says, makes me lie down in green pastures. You read where Jesus went out to um, remote places uh, to commune with God. Uh, he gave an example of voluntary choice to lie down in green pastures by withdrawing taking himself to quiet places where he could pray. The psalm goes on to says, he restores my soul. And interestingly, I found that that's the only place in the Bible that uses the phrase, he restores my soul. And um, so, but it's in the context of, of the previous verses that talk about green pastures and quiet waters. And uh, later on, as we'll cover here, paths of righteousness so as Christians, we're the sheep of God's pasture, and only He uh, can restore our souls. And you know, the NIV there uses the word, refreshes my soul. Mm -hmm. So to me, I mean, think of a refreshing cold drink on a very hot day. Um, if you've ever been out on a very hot day in even a field like this, where maybe there's no shade, um, what would be nicer than sitting underneath the shade of a tree and having a nice cold drink if, if it was non-polluted water from that little um, stream that, that God lets you rest beside? Absolutely. 
And I was thinking as I recite this back to God and, and I pray through it at nighttime, I thank him after I read things like that. Thank you, Lord, for restoring my soul, because that's a promise that he gave to, to, at least to David, and I believe the Spirit leads me to thank him for doing that for me. You know, in the Hebrew, um, and I, I'm no expert on Hebrew by any means, he restores my soul simply is translated uh, in some translations, my soul he brings or will bring back, namely from errors or wanderings. So it's kind of a rebaselining. And um, so um, we go on with the 23rd Psalm. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And I was thinking that the Lord, I trust him to order my steps. And again, it's hard for me to discern at any given moment uh, the voice of God. Sometimes he has made that clear to me a couple times, and we've talked about that in previous programs. Um, but the psalmist in Psalm 119, verse 133 says, Order my steps in thy word, and let not any iniquity have dominion over me. So if we trust God to give us this rest and rest restoration, we can also uh, trust him to lead us um, where he wants us to go, and he's, he's right there with us. What um, stands out to me in that verse is for his name's sake. Yes. Now, I, I definitely believe that God does everything for us. He wants our good, but at the same time, we have to remember that it's also for his glory. It's for his name's sake. Absolutely. I, I believe that, um, Steve, and uh, we have to sometimes take that by faith, don't we? That I don't understand this, or if it were my choice, I wouldn't do it, but he's obviously leading me into some decision or course of action, but always to glorify him. And I think that's basic to a lot of the things that we encounter in life. You know, Mick, First John 1, 9 says... If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, and he will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Yes. And so he makes us righteous. And so the Holy Spirit is living in within us to help us to walk that righteous path, but we still have a choice of whether or not we're going to do it. Good point. You realize, too, that when he's talking about the righteous path, uh, one thing that occurred to me is this the narrow road, the narrow path. I mean, it's out of the Old Testament, paths of righteousness, but it parallels what's said in the New Testament, Matthew 7, uh, verses 13 and 14 says, enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it, but small is the gate, narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Do you think we're talking about the same narrow path? Sure, because sure. Jesus is the way, isn't a path away. Jesus is the way. The way. Well, and then another scripture that came to my mind as I looked at this was Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. He leadeth me in paths of righteousness. Absolutely. You know, as we trust in him and follow him, he will lead us in the right way. And I think we, uh, we move forward as Christians with, with faith that he's good to his promise there. Mm -hmm. 
says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. You know, those are reassuring words. Is he saying there that uh, when he says, I will fear no evil, are we indemnified from the effects of evil? It just says, I won't fear it. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, we, how do I want to say, if we are perfect, we won't have any fear about anything, even if it's evil. Now we are human beings. And I think that when we rest in him, when we go to him, when he restores our soul, when he gives us this peace, this refreshing, this uh, comfort, then we can get to the point where we are reminded that we don't have to fear the evil, even if there is evil all around us. Now, it's easier said than done. Understand that. But that's, I believe, what the psalmist is getting at. Yeah, I think that's a divine assurance and protection. It doesn't say the evil that you would be tempted to fear. It doesn't say it's going to prevent you from uh, being impacted by the effects of evil. You know, if somebody's mugged or something, they don't have to fear the evil because the Lord's with them. The Bible does say in this world you're going to have trouble. You're, you're not taken away from the impacts, effects uh, of a fallen world, but it does tell us that um, we don't have to fear any evil. And I love what it says, why? For thou art with me. And again... If we know the Lord, he is with us. Nobody can take him from us, and he's walking with us. He'll never forsake us or to leave us. Well, um, I thought, too, of how in the New Testament there's a passage where people might have feared. Um, Matthew ch chapter 10, there are these verses from the NIV on my account, you will be brought before governors and kings as witnesses to them and to the Gentiles. But when they arrest you, don't worry about what to say or how to say it. At that time, you will given, be given what to say, for it is not you speaking, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. In other words, um, God is going to step up at times when you think, what in the world am I going to say or do? And he'll take that fear away by actually giving you uh, the words to say. The word says, Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over, and surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And I'll tell you what, when I recite those words right before I go to sleep, they bring me great comfort, mm -hmm. the promise for the future. Uh, the Lord basically says in Psalm chapter 84 and verse 11, I wanted to share this with you. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. Well, folks, I... I admit to being uh, a sheep. I admit to being a human sheep, and I am in so many ways helpless without the Lord. I'm hopeless without the Lord. And 
I believe the whole world needs a shepherd, not just Christians. He's promised to be a shepherd to us, but um, I don't mind being a sheep led by the Lord. That's how I want to live my life. I think we're all sheep. And uh, Mick, I want to thank you for your walk through the 23rd Psalm today. We just have a few moments left. I do want to let people know that if you would like to contact us, you can send us an email to rg at faithandfriendsradio.com. You can go to the Facebook page for Reconciling Grace Radio Program. So for Vicki Cundiff, for Mick Wells, for Steve Wilson, this is Pete Vecchi thanking you for joining us for another episode of Reconciling Grace. This has been Reconciling Grace. Join us again next time as our panel discusses biblical truths centered around the reconciling grace of Jesus Christ.